Hello, and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as a North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. This is Kevin Folger, your host with Labors in the Harvest podcast, and we want to thank you for joining us again today. We're in the second week of our conversation I'm having with a good friend, Dr. Roger Sebrill, who's the pastor of the Hampton Roads Independent Baptist Church here in Hampton, Virginia. I've been here this week in a missions conference, and so we're setting down on a Saturday, and he and I are having a conversation about his life. As you know, our podcast is about people's journey and uh, how God has worked in their life. Uh, pastor Sebrill, thanks for being back today. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here in Labors in the Harvest. Well, it's a blessing. So I, I think we skipped over this part last week, so let's just go ahead and jump in at this moment. And I, uh, we, we talked about you being in the military, but when did, and where did you and Francine get saved? Well, uh, it was September 20th, 1981. I was in Norfolk, Virginia. I had been in the Air Force now for five years. I was on my second enlistment, on my second tour of duty, and I was stationed at Langley Air Force Base. And I had a friend that I met uh, early in Omaha, Nebraska. He lived in uh, Virginia Beach, and he invited me to a meeting. The meeting was not a revival meeting. It really was a business meeting to learn how to make money. Mm -hmm. And so he called me and asked me, he said, Roger, how would you like to make more money? I said, well, I would love it. I said, if I can make more money, I can do more things. I had this idea when I was 16 years of of age that there were some things that if I accomplished those things in my life, it would make me joyous and happy. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have a, a place to live. I want to have a nice car. I wanted to have some money. And uh, by the time I was 26, I had those things, but I still didn't have the peace and the joy that I thought those things would bring. And when he asked me about uh, coming to this meeting, I, I said, well, if it's legal, I'll do it. And so uh, it, it ended up being an Amway meeting, but in, it was a free enterprise weekend where some of the uh, people that were involved in this uh, multi-level marketing uh, concept, uh, they were given a, a free enterprise weekend. They were teaching the principles of capitalism, the principles of business and uh, uh, success principles of business. And, and so they were teaching that by way of, of, of tapes and books and lectures. And so it lasted the whole weekend. At the end of the weekend on a Sunday morning, about 10 o'clock, this main speaker, his name was Bill Britt, he says, now, folk, for the most part, this uh, seminar is over. He says, but, uh, and some of you may be offended at what I'm about to say now. And he says, so if you want to leave now, you can. And so there was a shuffling of, of no, we were in a, a, the scope arena, and there was a shuffling of chairs, I mean, people moving and going outdoors, doors closing. At the end of that, he held up a Bible, and he says, uh, what I have and who I am is based on my relationship with a person. 
Now, I thought he was just talking about another human being mm -hmm. because the reason why I was in that meeting is because I had a friend named Charlie. He had invited me, invited my wife, invited some other people, and we were at that meeting because of our relationship with him. So I understood what he was saying. But he says, folks, all that I have is not because of my business sense, not because of my intellect. He says, because of my relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. And he held up the Bible and he, he quoted the scripture. John, he read a scripture that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. I had been looking for the truth. At 26 years of age, I looked around at life. And this was my philosophy. Give it all the gusto you can. When I, if I live to be more than 26, I wanted to be able to look back and say that I've done everything that I put my heart and desire to do. And if it didn't kill me, I could look back and say, well, at least I tried it. Mm -hmm. But when I looked at life and I looked, I was in the United States Air Force and I looked at some of the men who've been for 15 years, 20 years. Some of them were good men and some of them were drunkards. Some of them were different things. And I asked myself, Lord, is there more to life than this? There has to be more to life than this. I'm, I go to school. I don't go to school. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to have good days, bad days. Um, I'm going to have some things I want. I'm not going to have things I do want. And then I'm just going to die. And I said, that's a terrible end to life. I'm just going to die. I'm going to grow old and die. So I developed this philosophy. If that's all that's going to happen, I may as well do everything I can because I'm going to die. And that's how I live. It was a, a, a wicked life, ungodly life. It was just living life to the full, but I did it 100%. And uh, that's how I was living until I met this man. He held up that Bible, and I said, I'm looking for truth. And I, I knew I wasn't right with God. I didn't know anything about salvation. My, I had not grown up in a church home. I only went to church a couple of times in my life as a seven-year-old boy. Again, a Jehovah's Witness service when I was about 12 with my dad. I hated that, cried all the way. But the point of it is, is this. When he read that scripture, which says, I am the way, the truth, the, the idea of the truth, it kind of, the Holy Spirit of God kind of pierced my heart because mm. I had been looking for the truth. And the reason is this. I'd heard so many ideas of what truth is. And one person said, well, if you do this, you can get to heaven. If you do this, this is the right way. I grown up around men, uh, saw people that went to church, but their lives were not changed. I remember seeing men that said they were deacons and they would be drunk on Saturdays as, as a mm. teenage boy. I remember uh, people that uh, I could go to the house as a teenager and buy uh, alcoholic beverages underage, but they were Christian. And so I said, Lord, uh, there has to be more to life than this. What is true? And I, I had, in Omaha, Nebraska, for about two years, I had randomly started reading uh, Matthew through Revelation. I would pick up the Bible during times of loneliness because I was 1,300 miles away from Virginia. I was in Omaha, Nebraska. And on those cold, dreary days, sometimes I would pick up that New Testament because in, when I enlisted, they issued us New Testaments in basic training. And uh, I had lost mine, but my roommate gave me his, and it had the Romans Road outlined in it. Wow. And I didn't understand all that, but I would read it. And I remember reading John 14, 6. And so when this man held up the Bible and says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Spirit of God says, now, you're looking for truth. This is truth. Mm. And I remember at the end of that presentation, he asked for people that, he said, listen, uh, you can't get to heaven by doing good works. 
he actually explained that there were a lot of folks in that meeting that thought they were going to heaven because they gave a lot to charities. They, and this man was wealthy. He gave a lot to charity. But he says that you can't get to heaven by giving a lot to charity. You're not going to get to heaven by what you do. And he explained that Jesus said that he's the only way that we get to heaven. And based on that scripture, I say, Lord, I, I, I know I'm not right. I knew, I knew I was not right with God. Uh, you didn't have to tell me I was a sinner. Romans 3, uh, 23, I learned for all of sin. You didn't have to tell me that I knew that. Yeah. I didn't know what to do about trying to, I tried to change, try to stop something, try to do right, because mm -hmm. I didn't want to embarrass my mom, mm -hmm. but I couldn't do right. Yeah. So you got saved then, is that right? You right. got saved, uh, and then Francie gets saved at the same time? That, that was September 20th, 1981. Francine did not get saved at that time. She made a profession of faith. Uh, I made a profession of faith. I was a born-again believer. I, God, I didn't know you called it saved, uh, born again, but I knew that God had changed my life. That was September 20th, 1981, and I went back to my apartment here in Hampton, Virginia, and I had some things in my refrigerator, and I got ready to go in my refrigerator and, and pull out. It, uh, it was like a, a beer, Miller Highlight, yeah. and the Spirit of God said, you don't need that. And so for the next several weeks, uh, I prayed and asked God to send me to a place where I could learn about him. I, I just wanted to know about God, so I prayed. And because I had an assignment now uh, from Langley Air Force Base to go to Germany. And so I found myself uh, about, uh, let's see, that was September, uh, January. In, in January, I got to say September 81. In January of 1982, I found myself in Simbach, West Germany. When my wife came over, she had made a professional faith in the Lord. She had gotten baptized. I got baptized there on, uh, on an Easter Sunday in uh, 1982. And I got baptized. And my wife also made a professional faith, but she was not saved. Mm. It wasn't until December 14, 1986, at uh, Crossroads Baptist Church in Bailey Crossroads, Virginia, that she actually, uh, sitting under preaching and teaching of the Word of God by Dr. Lewis Baldwin, he preached a message out of uh, Matthew about, Is there any oil in your lamp? And she realized that she was not saved. Mm. And Pastor Lewis Baldwin, wife, Mrs. Jeanette Baldwin, led her to the Lord there in, in 1986. Well, that's a wonderful salvation testimony, and we sure appreciate that very, very much. So uh, we talked about the fact that God brought you to in, in, um, really into alignment or into the ministry of the Crossroads Baptist Church, Dr. Baldwin. And, of course, many people will be familiar with Kenny Baldwin. That's the son of Dr. Lou Baldwin. And um, so as we, we think about that, uh, the, we talked about this COBA and this emphasis on reaching black America. God brought you to Cleveland, Ohio in 1985, right? Correct. Okay. Let me tell you how I got there. When I got to Crossroads, I joined Crossroads Baptist Church in July of 1985. And when I, before I got to Crossroads, I had asked my pastor, at least I had a man in our church, had asked our pastor back in Germany, Pastor, are there any uh, New Testament churches like the church that we're attending at Rhino Baptist Church, are there any New Testament churches in America that are pastored by black men that you know of? Well, he had been in Germany for about 15 years. He didn't, that was in 1981, 85 when I left. He didn't know of any uh, uh, fundamental independent Baptist churches that were pastored by black men because I believe that everybody needs to, to uh, hear what I was hearing, mm. but uh, we didn't have any churches in the black community as far as I knew. And he didn't know of any pastor. And so when I got to Crossroads in 1985, uh, I asked Pastor Baldwin, uh, you know, I just kind of 
followed him around, asked him, well, 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 he said, I'm going to a fellowship meeting. I said, well, can anybody go to these meetings? So in August, I went to a preacher's fellowship meeting. And then he told me that he was going to Cleveland, Ohio in uh, September to be able to help with a, a young fellow that was uh, planning a church or trying to get a church started uh, in the inner city of Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, Cleveland Baptist was helping with that. And so I said, well, can anybody go? He said, well, I hadn't thought about it. He said, but yeah, maybe somebody else might want to go. So he announced it to several people in the church. So we had about a team of seven people, including he and his wife, me, uh, my wife and myself, and another couple, and then one other man. And he, we drove to Cleveland, Ohio in 1985. And at that meeting, uh, September 1985, uh, during the preaching of the Word of God, I surrendered to preach. It's like the Holy Spirit of God says, now, Roger, you've been saved for three and a half years. He says, now, uh, I'm sure you why I brought you here. He says, you see, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. Amen. And uh, I surrendered my life to the Lord in, in that meeting, mm -hmm. September 25th, 1985. And as a matter of fact, today would be my anniversary of surrendering to the yeah, Lord. Yeah, so we're recording this on September the 25th. It's 2021. So a long, long time ago. That's uh, 30, 30, 30, 36, 36 years. years. Yeah, 36 yeah. years ago. Well, you know, it's interesting that that happened in Cleveland, Ohio. And, of course, our church was uh, encouraged Marvin Stover, who was the young man who had a burden to reach the inner city. He mm -hmm. kind of grew up in the inner city, but he had a, a burden for pr pr primarily the inner city of Cleveland. And uh, the, we're so grateful for Brother um, Baldwin and the, the team that came, and of course, to encourage that. But, uh, again, as I go back, think about how our lives have intersected even since 1985. I was a young staff member at the Cleveland Baptist Church back in those days. I remember those meetings down there in that housing development. That's really where the, the meetings took place in an auditorium in a housing development, um, in a kind of an inner city type of situation. And, and so we're very grateful for what God, God did through that. So you came back after surrendering to preach. And so what, what were the steps that took place after your, your, your call to preach? At that meeting, I remember the message, um, no man cared for my soul, out of Psalm 142 that Pastor Lewis Baldwin preached. And I, asked, I, I talked to my pastor. I said, Pastor, I was still in the United States Air Force, had about a year left on my uh, military contract, enlistment. And I asked pastor, the pastor, um, now what do I do? And he said, well, if you believe God has called you to the ministry, it, it's a call for you to prepare your life for the ministry. And I, he said, now, there's some options. He said, you can go to a Bible college. He said, you, uh, you're a young man. You're 30 years old. You have a family. And he says, uh, you know, you, uh, you don't necessarily just want to uproot and, and go off to a Bible college. You're not like just out of high school. You're not just graduating from high school. You're, you're a, a young man now. And he says, uh, but there are some Bible institutes. He said, there's one that I attended. And he suggested uh, one that he had attended, which was Fairfax Baptist Temple at that time. And uh so I started making plans to get out of the United States Air Force uh, 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 instead of re-enlisting. I, I had one year left, and so I determined that I was going to follow God's will. And it was a battle. I was one, one week I was in the Air Force, the next week I was out. But I remember praying, and I said, Lord, I believe this is your will for my life, and I want to obey you. Uh, and I asked God, I said, Lord, I have a little boy, and I have a wife. And I said, Lord, I need a way to take care of them because that's my responsibility. And I remember God showing me out of Psalm uh, uh, 40, in the last verse where he says, I'm poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. He mm -hmm. says, uh, kind of like the Spirit of God spoke to me, he said, listen, I created a whole universe. He says, if I call you to be involved in my work, I can protect, 
protect you. I can provide for you. I can take care of you. You just have to obey me. And I was ashamed that I had so little faith in, in God. And I asked God to forgive me. And, and God gave me this, um, just a, a affirmation in my heart that God says, I want you out of the United States Air Force. And my plan, I was working on uh, training to be, you know, become a commissioned officer and work, had gone to school, had a few credits left on a, a social degree I was working on. And, um, but God uh, assured me that he wanted me uh, out of the United States Air Force and into the gospel ministry. And so I said yes to the Lord. And so here, uh, now, 23 years later, at the Hampton Rose Independent Baptist Church, here I sit. Well, yeah, what, a, what a blessing it is to, to hear that. And I want our, our listeners, maybe there's somebody listening today who, you know, you're struggling a little bit with the call. You feel God's called you, but you don't know how it's going to work and how's God going to put it all together. Well, you just heard Brother Sebrel share with us that it wasn't easy, uh, but God shared with him, spoke to his heart about the fact that if God calls you, he can take care of you. And I want to encourage you, if you're listening today, to take that step of faith. Again, as long as God has called you, as long as mama hasn't called you or daddy hasn't called you or the preacher's called you, but it's God that's called you, Amen. that God is able to take care of you and he will take care of you as you follow him. I want to thank you for listening to this uh, our, uh, this second part of our conversation today. Uh, next week, we're going to pick up this conversation. We're going to talk about uh, the journey from uh, you know the training all, all the way to the, the pastorate. And so thanks again for being uh, with us. I want to thank my guest, uh, Dr. Um, Roger Sebro for being with me today. And again, we'll pick up our conversation at this point next week. Thanks for listening to Labors in the Harvest. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest.